0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: It's fun every time. Music brought to you by the Valley's best disc jockey, Monty Belmonte. So that is the walk-up music for one state representative, Mindy Dom, Who
0: Congressman Jim McGovern calls Mindy Dome to this day. (laughs) So it's fun to continue to play on that.
1: Okay. So, Representative, thank you for being with us. The representative is with us every month. She is the representative from the 3rd Hampshire District. That's Granby. Half, half of Granby and Pelham and Amherst. I love trying to do it in reverse, so, okay. <laughs> that is the third Hampshire district. So much to talk about today. Uh, representative, I, I, there, let, let's, it's hard to figure out the priority, but major, one major issue uh, on the table in front of the legislature today is sports betting. Where does that stand? Mm-hmm. Is it going to pass? Are we going to have sports betting in Massachusetts?
2: Well, sports betting, from what I know, Bill, unless you have other information, is still in conference. Um, There's a significant difference between the House and the Senate bills. I believe the House bill allows for sports betting of college teams. And the Senate and the Senate president, the Senate bill does not include that. And the Senate president has indicated that she opposes that. So I think they're trying to move to some kind of compromise. I read something this morning that indicated that the House has put on the table the potential for looking at um, college betting, but not for colleges that are in Massachusetts. Um, so I don't know if that's going to come out of conference by, you know, before Sunday. Sunday is the last day of the session. In order for us to pass this bill, we need to be able to vote on it, and we need to be able to vote on it before we go into recess. So I think there's been some contention about it between the House and the Senate.
1: And the concern is that there is the potential for uh, corruption if there were betting allowed on Massachusetts college and university sports teams? Is that the concern? Yeah,
2: I I don't know if it's corruption because I'm not sure there would be different in college versus professional sports in terms of that there would be a difference in corruption. What I've heard is that there's a potential, there's an interest in um, not subjecting college students to what might happen as a result of online sports betting. Oh, I see. I don't so, someone someone places
1: a big bet. You drop the ball. You're responsible for someone losing a million dollars. They don't yeah, want to give the student access Potentially.
2: Athletes. And I think there might be other concerns regarding the college campus, but I have not been made aware of them because as a member of the House, we didn't have those concerns. So they haven't been raised back to us. But I've seen it in the paper and I've read about it and I've heard the interviews with the Senate president describing the differences. But you know, when a bill, when the house passes a bill that's different than what the Senate passes, it has to go into a conference. And that conference is like a black box and the negotiations go on. And then hopefully a report comes out that reconciles the two. And then the only thing left for us to do is either vote it up or vote it down. We don't get to amend it. We don't get to change it. and so we've already, as a House member, I've already had my swipe at this. You know, I, I voted yes. And so the House and bill, let I'm me
1: here. interrupt. The House bill, just to be clear, the House bill allows sports betting yes. basically across the board. And the Senate yes. bill does not permit sports betting on college and university sports.
2: Yes. And, and, and my understanding is that's the real bone of contention between the two in terms of the conference. So we'll have to see what happens. There's, As you know, there are a lot of bills in conference right now that we're waiting to come out. And we'll also have a lot of bills on the governor's desk that we're waiting to see what he does. So we're in this, uh, the final three or four days of the session and we're waiting.
0: I have a quick question about the conference. Is it always the same members of the House and Senate that go to conference or are they specially selected from their committees for each individual bill?
2: It's such a great question, Monty. They're always especially selected for the nature of the bill. And usually they reflect potentially the people who are the chairs of the committees that have reported out the bill since they're viewed as the most knowledgeable on those or members who've been directly involved in those issues. So um, sports betting, for example, I believe the house members are, uh, actually, I don't wanna go there because I may get it wrong, but I'll take a different one. Economic development is in conference right now and the house members for that are the chair of house ways and means and the chair of the committee on revenue, the house chair of the committee on revenue. So they're special. They're picked for their expertise. Got it.
1: Let's turn to a matter you just raised, uh, Representative Dom, which is uh, bills on the governor's desk, one of which is abortion access. Is he going to sign it?
2: I don't know. And he may want to sign parts of it and amend parts of it or veto parts of it. Um, There's another bill also, Bill. I just want to point out the climate bill is also on his desk. Um, And so he has several options when bills come to him or any governor has several options. They can sign it as is, and then it gets enacted into law right away. They can try to amend a section or veto a section of it, and then it comes back to the House and the Senate for us to either accept or override, Um, or he can veto the entire bill, and then it comes back to the House and Senate for a potential override, or in this situation, he can do nothing. So, In this situation the reason why that would allow the bill to die is because the session is coming to a close so for example the um, abortion access bill he has until august 5th to sign it because he has 10 days in which to make a decision but we go out on recess at the end of july 31st so in order for us to act on anything he would want to change he needs to get it back to us before the end of july 31st so that we can take action otherwise it's known as a Pocket veto, and in the sense his passivity or decision not to do anything would allow the bill to die.
1: Uh, so many questions that raises. One is how does the governor veto a part of a bill that's come, legal in Massachusetts?
2: Well, it becomes he tries to amend it. He tries to amend the section of it, which in effect is I don't like what you did and I want to change it, and here's what I'm going to try to change it to. And he's done that a couple of times with other bills earlier in the session and last session. But we have a veto-proof majority on both of these bills. So if he was to try to amend it and get it back to us in time, I am confident that the House and Senate would override and they would be enacted. Okay, so that
1: raises a question, Representative. I understand that the schedule and things are down to crunch time and it's the end of the session and so on. I think a lot of people are saying, well, look, it's only five days. I know you need to go on vacation and you deserve it, but why not extend the session for ten days and make sure you get this well, done?
2: We can either. there's one question or the other question is he knew these bills were coming, and I read these bills in one night. He should be able to read them and identify what's a problem and what's a not a problem early on. Um So I would actually go with the latter dis- discussion because there's certainly been enough in the press, in the media, and hopefully from constituents telling him what they want him to do with both bills, the abortion access bill and the climate bill. And he should be able to make a decision within, you know, five days or six days. Oh, he knows what the bill is. Particularly if he has concerns.
1: Sure. What's, what, and w- w- what is the concern about the abortion access bill? It's overwhelmingly supported uh, among yeah, um, among constituents across the Commonwealth. So what's, what's the problem?
2: It's an incredible bill. It's so good. I know that you've talked about it on other shows, and I just want to let people know again it protects patients and providers. Um, it expands medication abortion. It expands access to um, uh, Plan B through uh, standing ordered pharmacies, so you don't necessarily need to go to your doctor to get a prescription. You can just go to a drugstore and get it. It allows them to be sold in vending machines. Um, it just—it's an incredible bill, and it also has this one piece that he may object to. I don't know if he does, but he did object to this section when we passed the Roe Act. Um, it has the piece around how to address devastating fetal anomalies in late pregnancy. And so what the House did, which I'm so proud of, is initially we called it severe fatal anomalies as a way to address the issue for so many pregnant people who find themselves in this unbelievably devastating situation where they have to make this late-term decision to prevent them from having to leave the state To get an abortion, because this happened and in fact, there's this 1 woman who wrote an article about it in the globe talking about how she is a Massachusetts resident and she had to go to Maryland to get her procedure. So this whole bill is about protecting this care in state. And so the house had the word severe. The Senate didn't like the word severe. They thought it was too vague. They so they came up with their compromise as grave. And it has a very specific definition so Abortion, abortions being allowed
1: point. in cases of, of grave fetal
2: anomaly, fetal anomaly. Yeah. and so maybe that's a section that he has concerns about i don't know i don't know why he would have concerns with the other sections a lot of them are taken um from his executive order that he implemented when the supreme court decision so
1: what out. so what 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 do constituents need to do with they re- need
2: to contact right. the governor's office this morning and say Two things. If you support the bill, tell him that you support the bill and you want him to sign it. But if he doesn't support it, he needs to get back his objections as quickly as possible to the House and Senate so we can take action.
1: Like today or, um, tomorrow. So the, so today the, or tomorrow. So the legislature can deal with it over the weekend.
2: Right. So I think my message to constituents has been tell them you support the bill because I've been talking to constituents who support it. Um, and that you want him to sign it and enact it into law and if he has any objections to get them back to the House and Senate as soon as possible within the, by the end by the end of Friday so that we have an opportunity to override.
1: Representative Dom, I think you're going to tell us the same thing with regard to the climate bill. Uh, yes. Where does that stand? Why hasn't the governor signed that? and what's in it? Do you like it?
2: I love it. I love the climate bill. The climate bill is the climate bill and the abortion access bill are good representations of how conference committees can make bills better, as far as I'm concerned. The climate bill's in a little bit of a different situation because he has until July 31st to make the decision because that bill came to his desk earlier. So the 10-day time period started ticking away earlier. So he has until the last day of our session to tell us what he does or doesn't like about the bill and so we will probably although it'll be crunch time and like you know mad dash but we technically have time to take action on what he brings back to us this is another situation if i can just say that abortion access bill passed the house and the senate with bipartisan support um i just really want to stress that there are republicans that voted for um these bills and so the governor has to recognize that if he's going to veto any of these bills if that we will if we have time we will override him and those overrides will be bipartisan so he'll have members of his own party voting to override the the climate bill has so much it has a whole the whole piece that the house put in around creating an offshore wind industry and when we talk about industry we're talking about workforce development, job training, tax incentives, research and development for places like UMass's Wind Center. It has a whole section on expanding and promoting solar by providing more incentives and removing barriers. And there's includes a bill that Rep. Lay and I have filed as well as with Senator Comerford in the Senate around net um, single part tax parcels and solar net metering. And it's kind of a complicated issue, but it basically allows for multiple households on a single tax parcel to benefit from solar tax incentives. It, does, it calls biomass um, not a renewable energy source, which is so important to people in um, the region. It basically removes it from the renewable portfolio standard. So it says no more incentives for people masquerading biomass as a renewable energy source. We're not going to view it that way. And I love that piece of it. Because not only am I not a fan of biomass, but I also think that by removing it from the RPS, it relieves the pressure on our forests, which have been under great um, sort of logging demand because people can get a lot of money for biomass for it.
3: Right. Biomass. It also, we
1: should, why don't you explain 30 seconds what biomass is?
2: Biomass basically burns wood in order to make fuel. And it's been um, people have been saying that it's clean or it's organic because it comes from trees. Um, and actually, it since trees store carbon, first of all, we want to protect trees because they continue to sequester carbon, but also burning them then burns carbon. Um, it's it's like directly puts carbon back into the atmosphere. So it's not a clean energy source. So you need the people. Thing,
1: to, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Bill. Sorry. I just want to. So, so this is a great bill. It's been on the governor's desk. He can rule on it, sign it or not sign it or file his Uh, amendments, and he can do it today, and people need to call. Is that what we're saying? Call the governor's office and say, do something, act.
2: Pass the climate bill. And I think the message here is pass the climate bill, because people loved our bill that we did last session as a roadmap. If that was the roadmap, this is how we're going to get there. This is the very, this is the nuts and bolts of what we need to do. Can I just say a few more words about what's in this bill? Is that all right? Do I have time?
1: Let me check with Monty. Oh, all right. Okay. You got permission from the best <laughs> disc, jockey, disc jockey in the valley.
2: I Thank you, Monta. You really are the best, most cooperative, and you know, generous disc jockey. And
1: handsome and, and brilliant. <laughs> Can you I hear my see. eyes rolling? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, Representative. I just want
2: to call out a couple more things that I think are really important for people to know about this bill. It has a, a section in around grid readiness, which would help us prepare the electric grid to be able to receive process and distribute all this new renewable energy and i want to give a hat tip there to my colleague um rep lay from sunderland and also Senator Cumberford because it was their bill that was incorporated into this larger bill it increases the use incentives and charging for electric vehicles so a lot of people out here i hear from people all the time who have electric vehicles who like are saying when are we going to get more stations on the pike this is going to do it in addition to also Um, promoting the use of electric vehicles. It has incorporated a bill that Senator Comerford and I filed on green and healthy schools, which was championed by Dory Brooks, um, a constituent of Senator Comerford, which basically creates an environmental assessment tool for all of our schools to make sure that we can measure, are they reaching these goals for green and healthy? And what do they need to do in order to get there? And the last thing it does is it creates a pilot program for building decarbonization, which I know is so important to people in the valley, because so many of our towns have bylaws now. And with Amherst leading the way around trying to get to net zero, this would allow 10 pilot programs of communities to go 100%. So it's great bill. It's terrific.
1: And what people need to do is call the governor's office and encourage him, ask him, plead with him, sign the bill.
2: Sign the bill. This is the way to get Massachusetts to reach our climate goals. And you can either call his office or you can email. And if I will post it on my Facebook how to do both. But you can also Google, email Governor Baker, and a link comes up for you to be able to do it.
1: We are speaking with State Representative Minnie Dom. We'll be right back with more.
2: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
4: When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Some of the lowest income districts will actually be able to spend per student close to some of the highest districts, as it should be. You should not be underfunded because you happen to have been born in Holyoke or New New Bedford or Fall River. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP.
5: Sidewalk sales, downtown Northampton. Sidewalk sales, walk away with...
4: A shirt, a skirt. Walk away with a bargain. Sidewalk sales, now in downtown Northampton. The afternoon buzz with legendary civil rights attorney from Ashfield, Buzz Eisenberg. Buzz will bring you his take on the day's news, plus arts, culture,
0: and politics from the Valley, weekday afternoons at 4. Brought to you by Lundgren, family run since 1964. Greenfield's largest automotive group is the place to buy your next Honda, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, or Ram. Experience it in Greenfield. The afternoon buzz,
4: 1015 WHMP.
6: If your Spanish-speaking employees spoke better English, would that be good for business? If your English-speaking employees spoke a little Spanish, would that be good for business? The International Language Institute delivers workplace language training, improving communication among co-workers and with customers. You get financial assistance with the Massachusetts Workplace Training Express Fund. They cover 50 to 100% of the cost. So let's get going. Call or email the International Language Institute in downtown Northampton.
4: Take WHMP and news from the Pioneer Valley with you everywhere. Download the TuneIn Radio app and search for WHMP. It's free, it's easy, and it's wherever you are. WHMP on TuneIn Radio.
7: In the United States, one in four women and one in seven men are victims of sexual assault in their lifetime. 60% of Americans know a victim of domestic violence or sexual assault. These are your neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, maybe even family members. 75% of Americans say they would step in and help if they saw even a stranger being abused. More and more people are stepping up and talking about it. Let's make it happen.
4: Nelquit, New England Learning Center for Women in Transition, offering 24-hour crisis line support, walk-in appointments, counseling, SAFE PLAN, LEGAL SERVICES, AND SUPPORTIVE SUPERVISED CHILDREN'S VISITATION. IF YOU OR SOMEONE YOU KNOW NEEDS NELQUIT, PLEASE REACH OUT TO THEM. THEY'LL BE THERE. 479 MAIN STREET GREENFIELD, NELQUIT.ORG, N-E-L-C-W-I-T.ORG. OR CALL 772-0871. THAT'S
1: 772-0871.
2: THIS IS BILL NEWMAN, WHMP.
1: We continue our conversation with State Representative Mindy Dom, who is the representative for the 3rd Hampshire District, which consists of Amherst, Pelham, and the 1st Precinct. That's half of Granby. Representative, so much more to talk to you about this morning. I'd really appreciate uh, your comments on a number of issues. First, let's get to this question of the budget and the soldier's home. and uh, Those bills have passed. Um, comments that you have that you want to share with your constituents about uh, the budget and or the soldiers yes. home
2: uh, so quickly on the budget um, I think you can hear me right Bill because yes. I think video wise I froze, but, um the budget has passed the House and the Senate the governor although I haven't seen Twitter since we got on air so I don't know if this has been confirmed but last night we received a press advisory that the governor was signing the budget this morning at 845 if that happened first of all it's like a miracle because he signed it without any vetoes I just want to point that out It's a $52 billion budget. Did I say yes? And um, there's no vetoes. There's no changes. He's signed it and it's enacted into law, which if that happens is wonderful and incredible because the budget is a terrific budget. I want to point out to listeners that not only does it fund um, a lot of um, important programs across the state that benefit no, all Massachusetts residents, but it also includes some policy changes that are really critical. For example, there's $115 million in there for universal school meals for students for the next year. That's fantastic. There's no cost calls for people who are incarcerated to encourage connection with family and community to contribute to successful reentry. That's remarkable. There's a part in there that increases access for teenagers to HIV prevention medication, fantastic and it also bans child marriage in Massachusetts. So it's not just a great financial document, there are some of these policy pieces that I think have been really um, wanted and supported for many years that are going to flow with the enactment of the budget. And I understand that was happening this morning. Um, On the soldier's home, that bill has been in conference committee and it just got released, the conference report got released last night. So I expect that this afternoon when we go back into session, we will be voting to approve the conference report and the Senate will do the same thing later on today. And that will allow the report, which is the agreed upon soldiers home legislation to go to the governor to await his signature. And again, we'll be in the same situation. It'll have a 10 day deadline, but we'll want him to get back to us as quickly as possible so we can take action. What does the bill do? I think what I've read the bill does, I've skimmed the bill. I have not read the entire bill, but what I've read about the bill is that it puts the Department of Veterans Affairs on the cabinet level, which is important. That makes the accountability a little bit more clear. It creates a statewide advisory council, um, and it also makes it it be licensed as a long-term healthcare facility, which is an important part since it is a long-term healthcare facility, which will have ramifications because then the director of those um, homes will have to have that kind of licensure and it also requires DPH to do uh, regular inspections. So it's quite good. Um, It's not perfect, but it's an excellent bill and I'm really looking forward to voting for it. Um, As you know, Bill, I was on the special commission that was looking to investigate the deaths of veterans at those homes at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. And um, another piece that I'm gonna be interested to hearing more about is how the legislation addresses staffing issues, because that was something I sort of dug into Um, through our hearings, and it was clear that they were not enough staff, they weren't paid enough, the union did not have enough representation in discussing what the conditions were. And in fact, there seemed to be just this automatic rejection of whatever the union was bringing back as concerns, many of which then, unfortunately, were contributing factors um, to the deaths of those individuals. So I'll be looking forward to hearing about that.
1: Representative Dom, can you stay with us for a brief another segment, or do you need to run? Um,
2: I, can, I can stay on for a brief segment. Thank you, bill.
1: Okay, because I want to ask you about the death with dignity bill, and I want to ask how guns are being uh, legislated, given what the Supreme Court has done. And we're going to do that with Representative Dom right after this.
7: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
6: For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Special legislation that would allow money and scholarships for black residents in Amherst is currently being reviewed. The town council will be presented with the legislation's language and an outline of the process for reparations at their next meeting on August 15th. Counselors approved a transfer of $205,000 annually from certified free cash to be put into the town's reparation fund last month. An East Hampton City Councilor is working to stop deceptive advertising by pregnancy centers offering limited services. At-Large City Councilor Owen Zaret presented a proposed ordinance to the Board of Health Tuesday night. Zaret says these pregnancy centers often offer many services related to pregnancy, but do not offer abortion and many contraception services. The Ordinance Committee will be discussing the proposal at its next meeting on August 4th. Officials are investigating the cause of a fire at a Florence coffee shop yesterday. Indigo coffee on Riverside Drive had to be evacuated after a fire sparked in the kitchen around 4.30 p.m. Northampton Fire Rescue and South County EMS both responded. No injuries were reported. A new community swimming pool in Buckland will be getting $300,000 in funding following a vote by residents earlier this week. The special town meeting on Monday resulted in a unanimous vote to reallocate the money from the sand and salt shed replacement toward the pool project. The former pool of the Buckland Rec area was closed in 2016 for safety reasons and later removed.
4: Partly sunny, warmer, humid today. Watch out for scattered showers and storms that could pop up at any time. They'll be most widespread late this afternoon and early this evening. A high of 84 to 88, an evening shower, then variable clouds 62 to 68, mostly cloudy, scattered showers tomorrow, a high of 82 to 86, weekend looks dry. I'm 22 News Storm Team meteorologist Brian Lapis, 1015, WHMP.
6: This news minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media.
3: Yo soy Johan con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. El gobernador Charlie Baker promulgó el martes la legislación para prohibir la discriminación basada en peinados naturales y protectores en lugares de trabajo, distritos escolares y organizaciones relacionadas con la escuela en Massachusetts. Las mujeres negras en particular se han enfrentado a presiones en la escuela y en el trabajo para modificar su cabello para ajustarse a las políticas que están sesgadas contra los peinados naturales, según los partidarios de la ley. El proyecto de ley había sido aprobado por unanimidad por la Cámara y el Senado. La nueva ley define los peinados naturales y protectores como trenzas, mechones, giros, nudos mantúes y otras formaciones y encarga a la Comisión contra la Discriminación de Massachusetts que haga cumplir las Protecciones. Las políticas que limitan o prohíben los peinados naturales en todos los distritos escolares ahora están prohibidas. La ley también prohíbe la discriminación por el cabello en el empleo, los negocios, la publicidad y los espacios públicos. En otras informaciones, el Senado de los Estados Unidos aprobó el miércoles una legislación radical para subsidiar la industria nacional de semiconductores, con la esperanza de impulsar a las empresas a medida que compiten con China y aliviar una escasez persistente que ha afectado todo. La Cámara de Representantes planea votar este jueves sobre el tan esperado proyecto de ley, después de que el Senado lo aprobara con una votación bipartidista de 64 a 33. Si se aprueba como se espera, el presidente Joe Biden planea convertirlo en ley a principios de la próxima semana. La ley Chips and Science proporciona alrededor de 52 mil millones de dólares en subsidios gubernamentales para la producción de semiconductores en Estados Unidos y un crédito fiscal a la inversión para las plantas de chips, cuyo valor se estima en 24 mil millones de dólares. Yo soy Johan Roshi Vega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP
6: This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media
7: This is Bill Newman, WHMP
0: Mindy Dom requested Tina Turner's version of Help
1: (laughs) There we go
6: I love
2: that, Bruno.
1: <laughs> and we do indeed continue our conversation with State Representative Mindy Dime, Representative from for the 3rd Hampshire District. A uh, number of uh, pieces of legislation and politics I'd like to ask you about, and I really appreciate the extra time this morning, Representative. The Death with Dignity Bill, where does that stand?
2: I believe that that has um, left the committee and is in uh, health care financing and health and ways and means. And I just want to shout out here. The champion for this bill in the legislature, in my opinion, is Joe Comerford, um, the senator from Northampton, who also represents the two communities in the Third Hampshire. Um, And not only because she's one of the sponsors of the bill, but she's also been chair of the Joint Committee on Public Health. And in that capacity has really um, worked to advance um, not only the bill, but understanding of what the bill does and doesn't do. I think there's a lot of um, uh, myths about what the bill does. You know, this bill, I think, represents that there are some pieces of legislation that we work with that are very time-sensitive. Like, if we don't act quickly, people will get hurt. And then there are other bills where it's like, well, we could take our time because nothing is nothing is urgent in terms of um, life and death, so to speak. And you know, not so coincidentally, this bill is a time timely matter, very urgent. There are people who would like to be able to use. Um, the provisions of it uh, this year and not have to wait, they may not survive to be able to wait. And so I think it's very painful and emotionally um, hard to see that this bill may have to wait another session for action. On the other hand, every time a bill advances in the building and you get more information and more education, the greater chance it is for passing in the, the next time. And I don't want to belittle The immense amount of work that's gone on to educate legislators to make the bill better, because I think this bill will pass. I just don't think it's going to pass in time for this session. So we'll be back next session. And, you know, Bill, this was one of those bills that when I ran for office in 2018, I got asked about this bill everywhere I went by constituents. So it's not a small matter. It's not just by people who are facing those choices of a fatal illness right now, it's also people who expect to face it because we're all going to be in a situation where we're going to die. Um, some of us will know about it, some of us won't know about it. Um, and you know, people are concerned. And so I think it's time to sort of re, uh, regroup, most likely, and sort of look at what, how do we make this go further next session.
1: The Supreme Court this session, uh, in its decision, that struck down New York State's 100-year-old law uh, on gun control, specifically mentioned the Massachusetts law, and said, nope, that's unconstitutional. The legislature has uh, addressed the issue of guns and gun control and gun safety, which is a more appropriate way to describe it. What's the legislature done, and has that bill now been signed into law?
2: It hasn't. I don't believe it's been signed into law yet. It was attached as an amendment, to a Judiciary IT bill that we passed about a week ago. Um, uh, and you know, the, the House is profoundly committed to making sure that gun safety is not only a priority in the Commonwealth, but that we're acting on it. Massachusetts has been a leader on this. The Supreme Court is not going to take that away. It's just going to make us be more creative about how we can be leaders on it. And we've already started to do that. So um, uh, Representative Mike Day, who is the chair, uh, the House Chair of the Judiciary Committee, developed an amendment to the Judiciary IT bill that came through, which you'll like because it increases the capacity of the courts to do their work. Um, But the amendment was essentially to bring us into compliance with the Supreme Court decision, but also to continue to allow People who present a danger to themselves or others to not be able to get licenses and what um, the speaker and leadership have told the membership, which I think is really important for people to know is this is just the 1st action that we're taking. This is it has to be timely because right now we're out of compliance with what the Supreme Court decision was. This is the 1st action that we take and that they have committed to. Looking at all the ways that Massachusetts can continue to lead on this issue in early in the next session. So I think part of the message here is we're. We're, we're reframing how we provide licenses in Massachusetts so that we can continue to make sure that people who are at risk to themselves or others um, are not able to get them while being in compliance with the Supreme Court and. And this is a big and look for more. You know, coming soon from a legislature near you in January or February, there'll be more bills coming out about gun safety, and we'll be looking at 3D printing and gun safety and restricting that, ghost guns and restricting that, and there may be other um, uh, bills that will be coming around gun safety. Um, I'm I've been research. My office has been researching co- researching a couple of different avenues. Um, you know, Moms Demand Action every town. These are really fantastic organizations that are working with legislators to develop uh, bills that will not only our leadership on this issue but our safety on this issue. Um, you know how absurd that the Supreme Court actually picked on a state that's been doing a pretty good job um, as a way of sort of knocking us all down. I just it's it's part of that horrendous, disgusting litany of decisions that they produced in the month of June.
1: The gun decision, we should note, uh, is can be viewed as limited. I'm not saying it will be, but it could be viewed as limited, saying that there have to be objective criteria utilized for licenses to carry. That's the narrow issue that was there. Of course, the Supreme Court basically says, well, Second Amendment, right to carry, it's a fundamental right. Those words about a well-regulated militia, they don't count. We're going to leave it there. Representative Mindy Dom, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your representation. We really appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much, Bill, and I so appreciate you not only having this, giving this opportunity, but making sure folks know about these bills and what's happening in Beacon Hill. Thank you so much. This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
6: The
5: co-festival closes its 31-year run this weekend with Ezell, Ballad of a Landman, a very special show we've been trying to bring here from eastern Kentucky and New Orleans for three years. Timed with the sun and suitable for all but the very young, this outdoor daylight event begins and ends with a short walk across Hampshire College Farm Center land led by guides and fiddle players. At the performance site, You'll witness an environmental, cultural, and spiritual parable of domination and resilience—one that explores the complexities of climate change, indigenous erasure, land use, and environmental extraction. Reserve now for this Friday or Saturday evening at six fifteen, or Sunday morning at ten fifteen a.m. Interested? Visit cofest.com. That's k-o-f-e-s-t.com. The Festival, where the only certainty is surprise.
7: What's for dinner tonight? What's on your plate is a conversation. With the land, with the farmers, local farm fresh food is all around. Get it direct from farms and farm stands, at farmer's markets, at grocery stores, in local restaurants. Just look for CISA's bright yellow Local Hero label, letting you know that this is food from local farms, grown with care by friends and neighbors. Local hero food as fresh as it gets.
0: But what are we drinking in the wine bunker today? Random white wine. All right. Hello, I'm Random White Guy, and I'm going to be drinking Random White Wine.
7: Every Friday morning, Monty visits the wine snobs to talk about wine at State Street. The first
1: one here is the uh, Gomez Cruzado from the Haro region of Rioja, and this is a white wine. Now, most people might be familiar with Viora, but this is also blended with 25% Tempranillo Blanco.
0: I always forget that that's even a thing. Don't we all? The first sip almost seems puckering dry but it really rounds out a couple more sips into it, it and it is lush and creamy but it's not so creamy without acid there's like a there is yeah. a little bit of acid yeah, in there when it's too the... creamy i get really bored and yeah. it's like what they call flabby but with the acid yeah. it braces it and it makes it really yes yeah. this this i want like <laughs> scallops you mean scallops no. i don't care i want them. i care scallops There sure. we go thank you
7: find your favorite wine and your next favorite wine at state street This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: As many listeners know, Monty has a regular conversation with Congressman Jim McGovern. Sometimes they are really, really interesting. They're always actually really interesting. And sometimes, well, we get to share them with you. So let's play that tape. Can Monty. Time for our weekly
0: check-in with U.S. Congressman from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts and the chair of the Rules Committee, Congressman Jim McGovern, who I saw, went to Double-Edge Theater in Ashfield, which may become part of your new district uh, for the first time, right, Congressman?
8: Yeah, no, it was an incredible experience. I had a great time. It was a beautiful night, and, uh, you know, and uh, I saw a wonderful performance.
0: Yeah, I got to go see the preview of that and do a feature about it. it I love those folks, and they're doing really innovative theater there. So I'm glad they you got to see that and spend a little time in what— at the beginning of 2023 would be your new district if you win in November? Correct. Right. Correct. And you're um, going to be in your uh, your district now uh, this weekend in Greenfield. Uh, well, not this weekend, Monday, August Monday. 1st at 530, coffee with the congressman at the Guiding Star Grange in the afternoon there. How have those been going elsewhere? And what are, pe- what are on people's minds when you have these coffees? And does it vary well, from, like, Worcester to, to the Valley, you know? <laughs>
8: Well, you know, I, you know I, these are, I do these community meetings, the town halls, you know, lots and lots of people have been showing up, which is a good thing. And, you know, uh, and it's helpful for me to hear what's on people's minds. People get to ask me whatever they want to ask me, uh, and uh, they tell me what they think about my job performance. And, you know, I can tell you that I'm not universally loved, but the, <laughs> line, but the bottom line is it's helpful for me to hear not just the nice things, but the things that are not so nice, and uh uh, to get get a sense for what people are thinking, but uh, you know, I think these are really important to do. I I did them a lot before the pandemic, but when the pandemic came, we had to do almost everything virtually, and so it's good to be able to be in person with people and uh, and uh, hear what's on their minds. So, and people are not shy about expressing <laughs> their, uh, their viewpoints, but it, it, it's a way for me to learn as well. I mean, I you know, I think what, you know it's important for elected officials at every level, local, state, and federal, to make
0: themselves available and to hear what's on people's minds, that's the way you learn. And one of the ways that you're available is through this show, which is great, and Good Ben Clark, yeah. fruit farmer from Clarkdale Fruit Farm in Deerfield, has a question for you, and this is in regards I saw, to...
8: I saw, I saw him at the Double Edge uh, Theater <laughs> as well. He was there and I was there. <laughs> so.
0: Oh, that's great. As was Natalie Blay, I believe, right? The, our... Yeah, Natalie
8: Blay was great state representative was there too, yeah.
0: That's right. Well, it must have been a great time. Ben Clark asks in regards to um, the recent uh, abrupt reversal by Joe Manchin, who, um, if people haven't been paying attention yesterday, uh, reached a deal with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on a $740 billion package to increase taxes on the wealthy and invest that money in climate and health care, uh, while also somehow, I guess, reducing the deficit. He wants to know if you think this is an indication that Joe Manchin has aspirations for higher office and may be making a run for president.
8: Well, first of all, I need to adjust my uh, neck brace because I have whiplash <laughs> from following Joe Mansion on these issues, uh, and uh, so hopefully the Senate will deal with this next week, and then we'll come back uh, in the middle of August and and pass it in in the in the House. But uh, I, I don't know what his what his future aspirations are. I, all I know is that this is good for the country. Um, I mean, this is not only about investing a significant amount of money uh, into combating climate change, but it's also about lowering prescription drugs, which is a big part of this bill and it's paid for with, you know, taxing very, very wealthy people uh, in this country. So it won't have an inflationary uh, impact. So this is good news. Um, We obviously need to get it over the finish line in the Senate and in the House. Uh, Mitch McConnell right now is fuming. That's too bad. Uh, He's done enough damage to this country, so we we need to start fixing things. But, look, I mean, the climate issue is something that a lot of young people care deeply about. Uh, And with justifiably so. Uh, But, you know, we have to invest a significant uh, amount of uh, uh, resources to combat it. And if we don't do it now, quite frankly, it may be too late. Um, And uh, because this stuff may not be reversible, we still have some time. So this this is good news.
0: Even if Joe Manchin isn't looking to run for president, are you hearing any rumblings that Joe Manchin may be interested in moving on some other issues if a compromise can be reached, either in regards to some big sweeping things like Supreme Court justices expanding the court, protecting abortion rights, protecting equal marriage, any of uh, the the child tax credit, any of those things?
8: Well, those won't be in reconciliation. I wish the child tax credit would be in reconciliation because I think that would be very helpful now. Uh, for a lot of people but um uh but 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 you know let's let's understand that while we may not get everything we want um this is a big deal uh and um and it's probably the biggest investment in combating uh the climate crisis in history but also uh it's this is about lowering the cost of prescription drugs i'm told that this will give medicare the ability to uh, negotiate lower drug prices for our seniors. There's money in here to make sure people's premiums and uh, out-of-pocket expenses don't go up under the Affordable Care Act, so the subsidies will continue. So there's a lot of good stuff in here that will help people uh, and uh, and also protect our planet.
0: It's a max uh, out-of-pocket saving uh, spending of $2,000, I think is what it's working on, so that could be very good. Yeah. It ties yeah. somewhat into uh, what Greenfield resident Garth Schoenfeld wants to ask you, which is how can we fix and update social security insurance so that we're not forcing the disabled to live in poverty with no hope of escape and such low savings amounts that they can't even move $2000 savings doesn't even get you first uh rent, month's rent and deposit in most places seems like this could be a pretty bipartisan issue
8: well um, i mean unfortunately it isn't a bipartisan issue because we have some people who want to do away with social security you um, know who want to privatize it um, and uh but, uh, Congressman Neil, who's the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, has promised that we we're, <laughs> we're gonna he's gonna try to move some legislation forward on social security to address a number of issues um including an issue that a lot of people have um on um, you know who have who, who paid into social security then worked for the state or worked uh, for the for the city or towns and paid into a different system for retirement, but yet they invested in in both and they're not getting their full Compensation, so there's a lot of stuff that we can we can deal with. But um, he's uh, promised either right before or right after the election to uh, to, to look at the entire Social Security thing, including uh, the issue that you just raised.
0: Another interesting thing that you were doing locally earlier this week is introducing legislation with Senator Ed Markey to help protect the yeah. Deerfield river the deerfield river wild and scenic river yeah. study act beginning the process of securing wild and scenic status uh, for major yeah. portions of the river what does that status mean for the deerfield river
8: well first of all it's beautiful i mean and i we get to make the announcement i get to make the announcement you know right right on the river um, look what it, what it does is it provide it, it makes it eligible for federal resources uh, to help with conservation and with recreation So to help better manage the area around the river to do whatever needs to be done to protect aspects of the river also provides makes eligible grants, you know, for recreation. I mean, it could be, uh, you know, a a, a walking path, it could be, you know, a fishing pier, could be a, you know, a boat ramp or whatever. Uh, Again, it it makes the the river eligible for all those additional federal resources. So um, it's, you know, it's a big deal and it's important and uh, and. You know, I was tell, as I said when we made the I made the announcement, that this is not just about conservation. Um, it it is also about uh, you know, smart economic growth. I mean, you know, you make these beautiful places more accessible, more user friendly, then people come from all over the place. You know, whether to fish or to boat or just to sit and look at the beautiful sights, and it, and it makes um you know and it makes Deerfield it makes those other communities a destination point. And other businesses, uh, you know, will benefit from that as well.
0: Last week, we were talking about the upcoming elections. There are some primaries that won't affect you in September. But in November, of course, the House uh, could be up for grabs again. And some of our listeners were lamenting on the Democrats and their messaging issues. Uh, I think maybe you have earned a few extra points with this Joe Manchin news and maybe even with the last January 6th commission, although ostensibly bipartisan Maybe exposing some of the cracks in the GOP's framework, uh, but Audrea from Conway, we were talking about whether or not the Democrats need a better slogan. She suggested, "Make America Safe Again." What do you think about that one? Well,
8: yeah, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I like it. I think that, I think what, 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 what we're kind of settling on though is a message uh, that that that, uh, that goes something like this: polit- uh, people over politics because I think that's what I'm hearing during my community meetings is that there are a lot of people and, you know, of all political persuasions who are like, just solve these problems, fix these things. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, that, you know, a woman's right to, um, you know, reproductive health care is, it's become so politicized. How about do the right thing? Um, And I think that that's, you know, uh, and, you know, you, you know, seventy-five percent of the American people believe in, in gun control, and yet politics gets in the way um, and basically frustrates what the majority of people want, which is to be safe, and that that means getting assault weapons off the street. That means universal background checks, but politics gets in the way. So I think we we need to, in this midterm election, um, remind people that we need to put. People over politics, and I, and you know, and I, I think that could be a winning message going into the fall.
0: I like that. I also like do the right thing because then you could get Spike Lee involved as well, and that might, uh, you know, be <laughs> pretty cool. I will, uh, will you will have an opportunity to give Congressman Jim McGovern your own thoughts face to face with coffee uh, at, with your congressman this coming Monday at the Guiding Star Grange on Chapman Street in Greenfield at five thirty. Before I let you go, though, one of the other meetings that you had a couple weeks ago was at a drag story time. And we were joking last week about whether or not you should have a drag name. And I came up with one for you.
8: What, which, what, what is it?
0: Leggy Slator. Cause you're a okay. legislator. So you could be Leggy Slator, put you in a short dress. Okay. You would totally slay well, I, Leggy Slator.
8: <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, you know, if, if, you know, if things don't work out in the next election, that may be my, my next career. But, uh, but actually, I will tell you this. I uh, I I, uh, I really I really enjoyed my visit to uh, uh, drag queen storytime, and, and it was just it was a wonderful a wonderful gathering. Um, on social media, um, you know, I, I get comments from all around the country that were not so nice. <laughs> uh, but uh, but the bottom line is, you know, I mean, we're lucky we live in a community uh, where where I think the majority of people. Uh, respect people for who they are, and and um, you know, are, you know, and, and actually, you know, uh, where things like this are actually celebrated and uh, and not denigrated, and um, you know, and we, we 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 we're living in a polarized time where people are being targeted because of who they are. I mean, the the the, the number of anti-LGBTQ uh, uh, bills that are being introduced in states all across the country is astonishingly high. Hate crimes are up. I mean, we, we need to we, we need to reverse those trends. And, um, and in any event, uh, if you haven't ever been to one of these uh, story times, I would encourage you to go. Um, a lot of young kids you know, are there enjoying the stories and paying rapt attention. But it's also great for adults, too. So uh, anyway, I had a good time.
0: Well, I'm glad. And you can um, meet Congressman Jim McGovern this Monday at 530 uh, right near the new Rainbow Crosswalk in Greenfield at the Guiding Star Grange. In Chapman Street, and they have reinstituted drag brunch at Hawks and Reed, right in uh, right next to City Hall in Greenfield. So you, we may see an appearance by Leggy Slator uh, at that event. I think in the future. I'll have to make it. A, I'll have to make it a point to go to the brunch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Congressman Jim McGovern. We'll talk to you again next week. You can send your questions for the congressman, and I'll ask him on your behalf next week at this time. Monty at wrsi.com. Talk to you then.
8: All the best. Please.
1: That's such a wonderful interview. He's such a wonderful person, as, a, as in addition to being a spectacular legislator. Leg, leggy, though he Leg, may be. Leggy legislator, <laughs> Leggy, though he may be. Monty, that was a terrific interview. Tomorrow on our show, we're going to be speaking with Michael Fenton. He's a Springfield City Councilor, a candidate for the 8th District Governor's Council race, the race that we were going to continue to cover along with Secretary of State, Auditor, and Lieutenant Governor race. We're going to have really important uh, primaries coming up and ballots are now about to be in the mail. See you tomorrow. Thank you all for being with us. We really appreciate it, Monty. Great show. Thank you so much. Now walk.
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
7: The Library is Northampton's public library with an amazing circulating collection of over 325,000 items, including bestsellers, recent releases, tons of movies, large print books, e books, audiobooks, and an extensive collection for kids and teens featuring board books, picture books, chapter books, and graphic novels. The library even has musical instruments that you can borrow. You can search the library's catalog online at forbeslibrary.org and while you're there you can request a card and place items on hold. The library's website is also a great place to find out about upcoming programs and events which are always free and open to the public. We have story times, book clubs for kids, teens, and adults, poetry discussions, film discussions, author talks, concerts, movies for grown-ups, and so much more. Visit forbeslibrary.org for more information and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up with all the latest happenings. It's your library. Make the most of it.
4: The only live and local talk in the Valley and for the Valley. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, a Northampton radio group station. It's 10 o'clock.